It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back with the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. You're going to have to wait another day for Lincoln. I'm sorry about that. We recorded yesterday. Had some technical hiccups, but we had plenty of track to watch. Gordon, I'm not even going to ask how you're feeling. I know how you're feeling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the Sixers. This is a goddamn track podcast now, all right? That's all it is. <laughs> this is just a track podcast. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. But we won't here's talk about the thing. it. Here's the thing, Kevin. Here's the thing. I have a yep. problem, all right? Sports is my problem, and I have a really bad problem with benefit of the doubt. I give way too much benefit of the doubt to everything I love. Way too much. You know what I did last night? I was busy. I was busy looking up all the teams that have gone down 0-2 in in the playoffs and gone on to win. Yeah. Yep. And I was like trying to talk myself into it. You know who is the most recent team to win 0-2? The Toronto Raptors last year against the Bucks. Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That was a down Yeah. And then I was thinking, all right, well. They didn't go down 0-2 the way the Sixers went down 0-2. Like, at least they probably lost two close games and they came back. No. Their first game, they lost by, like, 8 or 9. Sixers' first game, they lost by 8 or 9. The second game, Buck, the Toronto Raptors got blown out. Second game, Sixers just got blown out. So now I'm, like, talking myself into it again. Maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, the Sixers' world is all about right now. It's the end of the world and we're firing everyone blow up the team, fire everyone. And I just hate that mentality because I don't like firing people because I like people. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't be on the death ed- on the deathbed or like on the edge of a cliff until you're one loss away, right? I feel like as long as you okay. always keep two losses away from being eliminated, you're still like, you're still okay. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? You're not officially out of yeah. it until you're on one loss and you're out. Yeah, things change really quickly in series. You know, they always say, the saying always goes in the NBA, the series doesn't begin until the home team loses a game. 
And that's never going to happen because neither of these teams are playing at home. So this season never so, really happened. <laughs> that's fine. a good point. So we home team has never lost. So uh, I don't know, man. It is it is messing with my my mental health though. Last yesterday was a bad day for Philadelphia sports fans. Start off with the Phillies losing this to Boston uh, in Fenway, then the Sixers lose to Boston in Orlando, and then the Flyers lost to Montreal in the in the oh, wow. NHL bubble. So, man, I need to turn this into a a track podcast. What what am I doing with my life? Just only think about track. Here. What happened to track? Let's go. Can you tell me? Let's go back to your. Well, before we do that, let's go back to your bread and butter, which is NCAA uh, cross country. There was some NCAA news yesterday. Well, why don't you break that down for us? Get us get us back on track. Get get you to a safe spot here. So the the great Brett McMurphy, who uh, everyone should follow, he is a stadium reporter. Uh, works for the stadium. Uh, basically covers college football. He's the one who's been keeping us updated about conference cancellations, etc. He tweeted out yesterday, NCAA Division I Council votes to allow fall sports student-athletes to compete in any amount of competitions this year, and it will not count as a year of eligibility. Now, the the Board of Governors, the ones we all love, the Board of Governors, need to still approve (laughs) it on Friday, but they're likely to approve it because they voted on it to allow it. But what that means is that means the Big 12 athletes, they can run, and it's not going to count as a year of eligibility. So Isaid Rodriguez, the top people from Iowa, from Iowa State, all the top Arkansas guys, they can – NC State women, like Caitlin Tui, she can race this fall, and it won't count as a year of eligibility. She'll, she can race and run ACCs, and then next year she'll be a freshman, which is great mm-hmm. news for these teams that like are being kind of forced into running cross-country even though there's no NCAA championship. Uh, so that's good news, and it definitely opens up the door for maybe somewhat of a cross-country season, right? Because if these three Power 5 conferences, Big 12, SEC, and ACC, do go forward with having cross-country, there's enough talent in those three conferences to at least make some of the competition interesting, and now knowing that the best runners will be allowed to run without wasting a year. It's going to make it interesting. Like we're going to be able to see like Eastside Rodriguez go up against, you know, a Moen Kemboy of Arkansas and Caitlin Tui. We're going to see NC state run. Maybe like that's, we thought now sure. We don't get to see him go against New Mexico. We don't get to see him go against Stanford, but Hey, it'll be like a good glorified invite with everyone actually running. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I think it's a good decision that they made because you wouldn't want to penalize people for running in this season. That's not, it's not a real season. Let's just be honest. Even if say everything goes perfect from here on out and they're able to no lot, they're not, they don't cancel any more meets. Like everything stays as is, which would be, I think you'd agree probably long odds that everything stays perfectly as is. It's still not a real season. And I don't think it would be fair to take a year of eligibility from somebody when they can't compete for, a national championship and can't have a, a normal regular season in some of the team sports. Maybe you could argue, well, they can have a regular season because they're able to still compete against their conference foes head to head. But in our world of cross country, 
it's not a normal regular season when you can't go to Nutty Comb, you can't go to pre-nats, you can't have that sort of competition. So I think it's a good it's a good decision. Obviously, still wait and see on how this actually comes to to fruition and if they still decide to compete. But if if they're gonna have if they're if they're gonna have a, a weird schedule, it, it makes sense to have it not count against their eligibility. So right now there are six conferences still who have yet to cancel. Those three Power Five conferences, Big 12, SEC, and ACC. But there's also three other conferences that are still going forward. The American Conference, which has a Tulsa, I believe, in the that's like one of the top teams, Tulsa. Uh, the Conference USA, which has UTEP and Middle Tennessee State. And then the Sun Belt, which I'm not sure who the best team out of Sun Belt is. They're not really a big cross-country school. And then the service academies, Army, Navy, Air Force. But that's basically 70 teams total on the men, 78 on the women. And I was talking to Dave Smith yesterday after this news broke. I mean, he's thrilled because now he doesn't have to worry about, like I said, eligibility issues with running a top team because he can actually try to win a Big 12 title and not feel bad about screwing up NCAA hopes down the road. But then Mm -hmm. he also said how – He's going to have a cross-country season and have meets. Like, the Cowboy Jamboree is going to happen, right? And he is has been quoted by reporters a week ago that obviously Oklahoma State was supposed to be the host of NCAAs on November 21st. He is all, like, he is trying very hard and, like, p- picking up the phone, calling coaches to try to put together a three a power five basically invite on November 21st. Like obviously there's a lot of rules and technicalities to see if he can make it happen. But if he can make it happen, they're going to try to have like a three conference championship. I mean, it's not going to be a championship. It'll be an invite, but which will be cool. Right. And have that on November 21st. Are you going to redo your rankings? Are you going to delete the other teams and re-rack them with just these guys? No, no, no. We'll still keep the rankings with BYU and NAU at the top. I uh, know BYU and NAU, NAU, they want to race each other. So we might be able to – We, I think we, if we do find a way to have these six conferences still compete and some of these other conferences not compete, I think I'll still create the rankings. Like if BYU and NAU do a little dual meet on their own, like on their own dime, like just meet halfway between the two cities, you know, it'll be like the way you do college football rankings. Like – not all the teams race each uh, play each other, but you still <laughs> put that undefeated Boise State there for some until they lose. You know what I mean? So, right, know, right, it'll be interesting. But yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, the chance of having NC State race Oklahoma State race Arkansas is more likely now than it was twenty four hours ago, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a full fully equipped NC State and a fully equipped art because they may have raced before but it would not have been with their with their A squads I think we have to put Arkansas as a favorite for the men's title and NC State as the favorite for the power three plus three women's title I think so I don't don't want to give away the ranking too much but yeah I mean I think people know Arkansas and NC State are good so maybe not many people know Arkansas is good because Arkansas what finished like 30th last year 
right? Well, you're you've like been talking 30, about 30, this though for yeah. you've been talking about Arkansas for several months now, and if people are paying attention to NCAA cross country, I'm assuming they've listened to you at some point. There's not that many cross country media outlets out there. I mean, they basically got every single transfer that can be good. So their entire top five will be four transfers and one guy who redshirted last year. So that's why they were 30th. Because <laughs> no one on yeah. that 30th place squad is basically going to be in their top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something to, something to watch for. Uh, I know teams are clamoring to race. I know there's a lot of women's programs that are trying to organize something, even if it's just virtual to get out there and race. But if the kids are on campus and staying on campus, then I think there's an appetite to, cause they were prepped, they were ready to go. And it's late August. I know we always think of cross country as like, oh, it takes forever to get going, but they're about a month away from a big invitational weekend. And then a couple more weeks after that away from conference. Uh, so they're in good shape. If they were preparing to run this year, it's not like, and it's not like they're going to get out of shape or they got out of shape in the one week when they found out, ugh, you know, the season's not going to be the same there. I think they're ready to go um, and ready to ramp up if need be. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously NCA canceling the championship sucks. And I think about like NXN canceling their championship for the high school kids. That yeah. sucks. I mean, Hey, maybe call this a pipe dream, but maybe like, Dave Smith just says, fuck it. And he's whoa, like, all whoa, right. Whoa, hey, guys, everyone every, everyone, come to Stillwater on November 21st. You know what? High school kids, come on down. We'll put on a little high school meet, right? And we have basically a de facto high school championship and a de facto cross-country championship. You find all of a sudden you see like five, seven athletes from BYU representing the BYU track club who just happened to also be on the cross-country team. You have the NAU track club, right? You have these unofficial cross-country teams mm -hmm. for the schools that can't compete, and then you have the official teams that can compete and see what happens. Did you just did you just invite a whole bunch of people over to Dave Smith's party? Is that what just happened? Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's a big High school property. kids, just everybody to show up. Show up in Stillwater. It's, uh, it's, it's large enough. It can accommodate everybody. No. I have this weird vision that I feel like everyone that lives in, I feel like Dave Smith, if I had to visualize what his house looks like, I feel like he lives like on a ranch. That's what I picture. Not like, just like a very open, like in the middle of nowhere, like giant house, but maybe not. Maybe have you been to Stillwater? Like, no, I've never been. To, is it crowded? No, no, no. it's okay. not, it's not very big. So I think you could be right. And then all those videos, you've seen those I mean, you've seen their course, right? I mean, every course is out in the middle of nowhere. So that's yeah. in, in, in college cross country. So that's not saying much, but it definitely has a, hey, we're kind of out there feel. Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, population 50,000. Wow. And there's 50,000 people, people in your apartment complex. Yeah. Yeah. There's not 50,000 people in my apartment complex. That was hyperbole, Gordon, but you get the point. There's not many. Yes, it's a... It's a very small town. When I went there, that was actually the first event I ever did with Flo and with Ryan Fenton. 20, 2011 Cowboy Jamboree, I want to say. And we asked people, hey, where should you go to get a good meal? And they all recommended this, oh, this place is, but I hope it's not too crowded though for you guys. And we show up at the place and it's like, 
half full. <laughs> There's just no one there. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was fine. It was great. It was just, uh, it, it, it was not, is not what we were expecting. I had never been to Oklahoma. Uh, haven't been to Oklahoma since. So I had no, I went in with not much uh, firsthand, firsthand knowledge. Also, the other thing I remember, I think I flew, I flew out of Tulsa, I believe. And I was driving back by myself from Stillwater to Tulsa. And it's so flat, so incredibly flat. And I could look in front of me and I could look at my rear view mirror. And it was probably a Sunday morning when I was driving back. And I remember I did not see a single car in front of me or behind me. Like I was the only person on this high with a stretch of highway. And it was, it was eerie. Um, the other, only other time I felt like I was in a rental car, so I didn't want to, I don't want to push it. And it was like Fenton's rental car. So I was just like, eh, um, You've you've been you've driven to like West Texas. It, it reminded me a, a bit of what West Texas, and just like it's dead straight, and there's nobody around at all. You could do whatever you want on the on the road, and there's no one there. It was very weird. Yeah, uh, you know who also has an interesting Stillwater story? Lincoln, hmm. our, our third podcaster. Maybe is he still working for us? I think he still works for us. Is he coming back? Come mm-hmm. back tomorrow, maybe. Uh, but come back to do a pod. His with you. one one of one of his first flow track trips was to Stillwater to cover the Cowboys Jamboree. And when he went there, Dave Smith didn't know who he was. He was a new flowchart employee. And he's like, what do they do here? What, what do they do? They send the D squad? And they called Link. He, the first thing he ever said to Lincoln was call him the D squad. He's like, hi, nice to meet you too, Coach Smith. Oh, man. That's tough. Flash forward. Well, Lincoln actually. Yeah. Sorry. He actually ran the race. He actually ran the race back in the day. You're, you're going to say fast oh, really? forward a few years, and now he's the C squad. Yeah, I agree. That's about yeah. right. <laughs> and one of us is the B squad, and then one of us is the A squad. Yeah, yeah. we need to a, a tier ranking of squads. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm. Has he said? Has Dave said anything about them giving them the opportunity to host again next year, or is it this year and that's it for sure? Well, I think uh, Dave was quoted in an interview saying like he's going to resubmit for future years. I think next year is supposed to be Tallahassee. I think Tallahassee is still going to get next year. I think they'll just. Pro- I think what's going to happen is they're going to give it to Stillwater in the next, in one of the next mm. four that they give out. You know what I mean? I bet you Stillwater and Madison are both going to be part of the next four. I think we're going to end up rotating between like probably five locations moving forward, right? I could see mm-hmm. Terre Haute, Louisville, Madison, Stillwater, and Tallahassee all just like rotating every five. Um, because Can you basically rank them. What am I what's the ranking based off of? It's based off of who you think should host. Your favorite, who I to least favorite favorite host, Ooh. favorite to least well, favorite. I, I suppose you're 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 asking from an athlete perspective or from a spectator perspective, right? That's what you're wondering. Yeah, yeah. I don't mash mash it all together. What's the best ex- overall experience? Is is what I'm saying. I'll I'll go first. I'll go first. Madison would be num- my number one. Madison would be number one. Yeah. Now, I've never been to Stillwater for a national championship, so. That's it's tough to judge them. I've never been to Tallahassee, and I've never been to the Louisville setup. 
Um, I've seen Louisville on on a stream. It seems difficult in terms of capturing that race with the with the way the course is structured. And Madison was just so awesome. And I think it's cool when you have a hometown team involved in the meet. I think it's cool for minor, especially smaller sports. That's cool. Yeah, I would put Madison number one. Uh, Terre Haute is a great course and environment, but the problem is it's just it's in the middle of Indiana, in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like I mean, you you get done with Madison and then you have like Madison downtown, and you just like it's right there, right? Uh, Louisville though has Louisville downtown, which is not bad. Um, I'm not sure what Stillwater is, and then Tallahassee has an interesting city. I'll put Tallahassee's probably cool, and I feel like their setup would be good. I feel like Tallahassee's going to do a good job. So if I had a rank, I'll probably go – again, I'm not ranking Stillwater because I've never been there or never seen it. So not ranking Stillwater, I would go Madison 1, Tallahassee 2, uh, Louisville 3, Terre Haute 4. That's You've about. been to the course at Tallahassee. How is that? Yeah, it's 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 not it's like uh I didn't really move around much because I kind of just didn't feel like running around as like a fan. I was kind of just there. I waited at the finish line, but I imagine the course seemed interesting. I mean, there's a giant like wooded area in the middle, so I never went through the woods to see what it's like on the other side. But mm -hmm. um, and I've never run the course, obviously. So I just didn't. I, about I I enjoyed myself in Tallahassee, so that's why I'm like, yeah, it was not bad. Am I am I correct in my assumption about Louisville? It's like harder to capture it from a video perspective. Yeah, there's a lot of trees. Yeah, there's a lot of okay. trees. Uh -huh. A lot. Of, okay. There's I not a lot of good sight lines. Yeah. I just looked this up. Average temperature in Tallahassee in November: uh, high seventy five, low forty six. That might be sneaking That's pretty okay. high up my list because it would be nice to not go and have to wear two pairs of gloves. The snow in Madison was iconic, and I think that definitely that definitely swayed me. But the weather this past year in Terre Haute with the sideways rain, I know people are Ugh. like, cross-country weather, and that's great. No. But it doesn't always have to be like that. It doesn't always have to be horrible weather. I like to think that me and Kyle Murr were, were in the worst spot of all the people oh in Terre Haute. <laughs> we, like, chose to stand in the place that, like, you just don't want to be, like – People were – every fan, coach, media member, they were all in a spot where it wasn't as bad as we were. We were at the top of where it's the most wind and most, like, breeze of rain for the entire two and a half hours. I was just like – me and Kyle were, like, frozen when we got done with that. Oh, man. That was wild. You feel you feel as if you ran when you get done with one yeah. of those meets. Because we, we, you and I did the pre-show together, which was an exposed spot. But I remember the weather was almost better then than when the race started. And then by then I was in the van doing commentary with Ryan and Jared Ward and Sheila Reed. And I remember opening up the door to go to the bathroom in between races and it was horrible outside. And you guys were just chilling up there making jokes. Yeah, it was not it was not fun. Uh, whose I idea mean, was, was fun, that, by the way? It was my it was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was, I think, I think it was was Lance Harder who brought this up to me at some point, basically saying it's like, well, why do we need to have it in bad in bad weather all the time? 
there's no rule that says you have to every single time. It would be, it, and, and I agree. I, I think it'd be nice, mix it up. Doesn't need to be, doesn't mean that it needs to be in San Diego every year, but there's no, there's no reason why it needs to be miserable. Cross country is, is difficult enough without having to do that. So I, I'm willing to, yeah, put, put Florida in the rotation there as well too. I think, I think Stillwater will be cool just because I've heard, I've been, you know, I've seen that course. It's a, it's a unique course. It's also a difficult course and they've poured a lot of money into it and Oklahoma state being relevant, I think make adds an extra dynamic as well to it too. But I like the five, I like the five set rotation. I think, or maybe we should go crazy. Everyone's talking about winter cross country or spring cross country and moving things around mm-hmm. because it's COVID and this, that, and the other thing. Let's just dismantle the whole thing and just say we're we're hosting NCAA cross country championships the Saturday before the Super Bowl, you know, and just hosted the Super Bowl, and that's where it is. So it's like, hey, we're we're having a Super Bowl in San Diego. All right, San Diego course. Let's go to Foot Locker's area. Boom. That's where cross country thought- championships is. It's how great would it be if like we had cross country championship Saturday and then Sunday it was Super Bowl? That'd be fun. <laughs> I I thought you were gonna say let's just do it at the Northeast Regional every year. It's in Buffalo every single year, but they're not allowed to move it to the road course around the strip mall. They have to stay on their original course where it's just mud and snow. That's it every year. I mean, think about it. Where have the past Super Bowl Super Bowl hosts? Well, they've been moving them to colder weather cities correct they've had one in detroit recently indianapolis dallas uh then yes was it in tampa Where, recently okay so Maybe arizona so these are the the city let's just dang it okay so corn is googling by the way all right new orleans you could probably have a good cross country meet in New Orleans, right? Did okay. A, I know JoJo. JoJo will be a fan of that. JoJo will be a fan of that. Glendale, Arizona. Mm. Yep. That'll be fun. In- Inglewood, California. Get get mm-hmm. do it in Mount Sac. Boom. Tampa, yep. Florida. Miami, Florida. Atlanta, Georgia. Minneapolis. Hey, have it at the Roy Griac course. Boom. Houston, Texas. Yeah. Hey, I'm sure Carl Lewis would love to host a cross country meet. <laughs> This would be great, man. We need to do this. We need, to, we need to just connect NCAA cross country to the Super Bowl. Think about how many fans would show up. We could get famous the fan football zone. players. Yeah, but yeah, call it the fan zone. Have a big blow up thing. Get Roger Goodell to do the starting pistol. You know, uh, we have like an autograph signing, and then the winning team gets box seats to the Super Bowl. You know, perfect. <laughs> so then the coaches have something to train for. They're like, yeah, and then you, we'll do a, we'll do a, a, a community run where it's just the, the the sprint football squad, like the practice squad guys. They just go together and they do a little nice little ten k against each other. We need to do this. Uh, let's talk about the the meet we had yesterday on uh, our site. Sheikh Eshkavayavar hosted the the Continental Tour. Gordon. What did you what did you think of these the results? I think the times across the board a bit slower than I anticipated at least. Yeah, starting with the sprints, right? Um they were very like, okay, I think it was the weather. The weather looked kind of cold and damp. Um it kind of 
brightened up a little bit later on, but I think most of the athletes were kind of like, all right, this isn't the day, right? This is not going to be one of those days. Uh, I think Lyle's winning was made sense. Irby had a good run. I was impressed with her. 22-5, back-to-back wins. Irby, I feel like, is now ready to go for 2021. Let's talk about Grant Holloway, man. What are your thoughts on that race? Oof. He's like... <laughs> He's like running world record pace through 50 meters and then just like, boom. I mean, I'm making up what pace I've, he was running, but you know what I mean. I've never, in my re- in recent memory, I can't think of a hurdle race that was like that. It was a sit and kick affair almost with Ortega coming on really hard towards the end. The first time I watched it, I said, did Holloway just get an otherworldly start or were, was everybody else slow out the blocks? And I think it was Holloway's start was that good. And he slowed over the last couple hurdles, which is the same thing that happened in, in Monaco. And Ortega just just got him there and, and ran 13.21 to Holloway's 13.22. I think people thought Holloway held on. You know, the camera at the finish line was focused on him for a while before the flowers went over to Ortega. I actually think this is a good sign for Holloway. Yes, it would have been great if he would have completed the second part of that race and, and been able to clock something insane. But the fact that his start is so good, I think in a year with more races, i.e. next year, and he's able to clean up some stuff on the back half, I think he's he's going to gonna do something really special. As I said before, I think he's going to set the world record next year in, in 2021. So even though he lost, even though it wasn't a, a super fast time at the end, he's got to be, you got to be encouraged by that start. Don't you? Yeah, and I think that is a skill set that isn't going to be universal when it comes to the starting line in 2021. And you know if he has a great start, you'd assume that when it comes to the Olympics, he'll be in more, in better shape. He'll just be more mm-hmm. in race shape. As much as these athletes are training right now, they know there's a little, little thing in the back of their head who knows they don't need to be in their best shape. So it's... You know, I th- I just think he's not he's not in 2019 shape. He's in, hey, I'm still a freak athlete, but like, I'm not going. Maybe you know, maybe he's just going a little lighter in training the past few months than he would have been if it was an actual Olympic year. So that's mm-hmm. what I would chalk it you know up to. I- and it's also good to lose, right? It's good to, you know, if here's the thing. Imagine like he's. He wins the world title, right? So he's like, I'm the best in the world, which he was. And then Mad- and then he ran a decent he ran good indoors, right? He ran like one race and Clemson dominated. Mm-hmm. But imagine if he like he wins these slower races by like 0.01, right? Your your confidence level will be like, hey, even at my worst, I'm the best, right? And then you can mm-hmm. just mentally kind of shortcut your way through a year. And I think him losing these races, these races that don't matter help motivate you it's good to lose the races that don't matter because it's a way to like kind of you know Life it's like a, Gordon. It's, it's a you know the moral victory this is a moral loss whatever like you just need it to kind of yeah. energize you for the next year when you keep winning all the time you kind of lose that passion you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of a coleman versus lyle's hundred when we saw those and one person was an ex- exceptional starter and the other one was an exceptional closer or even just any early Coleman race before he had that back half figured out and he'd get out to this amazing start and the gap would shrink dramatically over the back half. Sometimes he would hold on and sometimes he would get caught at, 
at the line. That's what it looked like to me. And obviously Coleman got that second part of his race together very well in, in 2019. I think Holloway can do the same thing. It would be fun to line those up that race with his 1298 race at NCAAs and just see was his start actually better. I'm sure somebody, I'm sure his coach has, you know, all the splits about how quickly he gets to hurdle one, two, and three, but it, it, it's hard to compare because he left the field so quickly behind and in the NCAA race, he had Daniel Roberts right there, but it, it sure looked like one of the better starts of his, of his career. So I think at the very least he can take that, take that with him. Yeah. Then, um, Irby, Irby though, you Irby. brought up Irby. I think that was the performance of the meet for me. And like in, ter in terms of what it means, well, in terms of what it means going forward, because as you mentioned, she got the win in Monaco, which time kind of irrelevant this year, just get wins, start building confidence. And in this 200, she beats Daphne Shippers, who hasn't been that sharp lately, but it's still a win over somebody who has gold medals and very fast times. She beats Cambodia, who was the bronze medals in the 200 last year. This is Irby's second best event, and she's still running with the best in the world. If there's two events next year that are somewhat open on the women's side of things in the United States to make the Olympic team is the 400 and the 200. And she's asserting herself in this off year, in this strange year, um, as someone who could make it in either one of those. And someone that young, I just think the winning, winning's got to feel good for her. So I think in terms of what it means going forward, that that Irby 200 was the most significant performance. Um, I put it right up there with, with obviously with Holloway's Holloway's uh, start. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Irby's looking good, going two for two on this little mini Euro trip. Um, I'm not sure if she's still going forward with other races. Uh, I'm not sure because I know Lyle said this was his final meet, yeah. shutting it down. Um, but this would be interesting if she enters into any of the remaining Diamond Leagues to try to maybe lower her 400-meter time to something a little more closer to her 50 flat. Uh, mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on Donovan Brazier's 600, but more importantly, running the entire thing in the lane? I don't know who decided that it was a good idea to run it in lanes, but I think <laughs> that ruined any opportunity at a fast time. He's already out of his element because everybody's out of their element running a 600 because nobody runs 600s. And then you put all these runners who are – 800 runners primarily into a lane race where they're not comfortable at all. And not only a lane race, but a three turn stagger lane race, which absolutely nobody is accustomed to doing. I was watching this race, Gordon within 200 meters. You're like, this is off. Something's off something. He's not going as quickly as he can because typically it's, you go around one curve and then it's a mad dash to get to the pole. And that's what gets the pace going in an 800. Yeah. And that's what you especially need in a 600 because it's even shorter. So I don't know why this decision was made. If this was a record attempt and you're worried about too many people, cut one or two people from the start list. I went back and watched Rudisha's 2016 uh, 600 where him and Boss went 1-2 and ran the second and third fastest times all times. They cut right in after that first curve. 600-meter indoor races aren't run in staggers the whole way around. I don't know why this was done, but I think it ruined any opportunity he would have had at a fast time. Yeah, I, there was part of me thinking, like, are they supposed to 
cut in. Like, well, all right, oh, maybe it's a two <laughs> turn. They'll cut in. I was like, oh, maybe they'll cut in after the second turn. And I was like, wait, no, they're, they're still not cutting in. And, you know, it does so many mental gymnastics to your mind because you don't really know where the 200-meter split is. You don't know where your – especially you don't know where your 400-meter split is, right? Because where you start – You don't know where a competition is. Yeah, you don't know where a competition is. I mean, I guess Donovan saw Wesley ahead of him. But still, you're like you, – you're just – an 800-meter runner is not visually understanding, like, staggered distance. Like, a 400-meter runner knows, like – someone who's within reach after, within when they enter a turn and someone who's not within reach when they enter a turn. Like, cause there's, they visually are know what that 10 meters or five meters look like. Donovan's not thinking about that. Yeah. I think he would have ran much faster if it was a one turn stagger, you know, just run it like an 800 meter stagger, right? Just start at the 200 yeah. meter line. That's what they should have done. And then just like go and then cut in. But I mean, one fifteen, Yeah. They went out 48, like, yeah, I don't know. I just wish Look, it could have been set up. He's so good, man. Like he has the ability to run in the one thirteens, maybe even the one twelves. He's clearly did it indoors, but it just wasn't meant to be. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, one tw- well, one twelve sixty four was what he was gonna run because that was my prediction, but that was a non three turn stagger prediction. <laughs> uh, you, you you said there, 400 meter runners have a better idea at gauging the distance, which is true because they're used to doing it. But they're even they're used to doing it on two. Think about trying to gauge it for a. This was a four by four stagger, correct? This was a literally a three a three. It's a massive no, distance. It wasn't a four by four stagger. It was farther than that. Because, oh yeah, it was a four by four stagger. Yeah, it was yeah, because they'd cut it on the last one. Yeah, but so it was three, it was three turns. But we we were talking. Was it a couple of days ago? We were talking yeah, we about were how saying. hard it is to figure out <laughs> how we can't when we're watching figure out. So imagine as you're running, trying to figure out how far back you are. And 800 meter runners, a lot of that is in keying off of where other people are. And the way Wesley Vasquez ran in this race, because Brazier had to push to catch him in the end and he caught him. But the way Vasquez ran in this race, I think Vasquez would have gone to the front early. And I think he would have served as the perfect catalyst for a fast time. I just think this was such a wasted opportunity. And I want to know ahead of time. I want to, did, did Brazier know this? Did Brazier know that there was going to be a stagger when he agreed to do this race? I saw an interview where he said he wasn't even aware really of the world record. He just signed up and to, to run this race. And then someone asked him about it. He said, oh, okay, well, 112. Okay, I ran 113 indoors. Maybe that's a possibility. But I want to know if they asked him, hey. Classic by athletes, you know. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not quoting him there. I don't know exactly what he said. All I, yeah. all I saw was that he was. He didn't even think about. He wasn't circling this on the calendar and saying world record attempt on August 19th. But I want to know in any of that pre-race discussion, Dan base go up to him and say, "Hey, how comfortable are you with running in a lane?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm good with lanes. Like for the first turn, no, for an entire 600 meters." Because I think if they wanted to help him out, they should have put him in one. If you're going to have to run in lanes, just put him in one. Yeah. So you can look look out at everybody, see everybody the entire way around, and then you can get accurate splits all the way around. Don't put them in was it four or five or something. Made no sense. Yeah, at all. It, was, it was visually not pleasing to watch. It was the most unpleasing race to watch because you're like, what am? I? Yeah, it just was yeah. not fun to watch. Uh, man, it could have what could have been? What could have been? You know what I was also thinking about? We keep on Johnny thinking Gray that looks like to see another day. Yeah, Giant is never going to go down. 
Donovan would think Donovan is like the perfect specimen for breaking this record. And you know what I was thinking? Who actually might actually be the best person to break this record? I know where you're going with this. No, it's an American. I saw it. I know. I saw it on Instagram. It's Isaiah Harris. No. Oh, okay. I thought you were going Isaiah Harris because he did run a lot of four by fours and ran some really fast splits. Do you know who's running? You you know who's running some even faster splits? So splits that are like all time great splits. In the four by four. Mm hmm. Uh, Ry Benjamin. Nope. 800 meter runner who is really good in the four by four. We talking about has men, somewhat American a, men. He kind of has a connection to Brazier. Oh, Devin Dixon. Yeah. Ah, okay. Like the, okay. the well, Michael Norman four by four split, right? Yeah. Devin Dixon splits like 43 low on that. Like Devin Dixon. Yeah. 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 Is a fast 400 meter runner. Like Devin is faster in the 400 than Donovan ever was or ever will be, in my opinion. Like Devin is like legit 400 meter runner. And Devin's what, 145 guy right now, 144 maybe? I think Devin Dixon actually might be the one who's closest to the 600, right? Because he has speed. Like Devin can run backwards 47 flat or 46 high. Like he can just do it backwards. How is he? How's he in lanes? Because I, my theory is now this record is cursed. No one is going to break this record ever. We've been talking about it for so long. There is always something. You get Rudisha when he's not in his prime. You have this weird lane thing. The guy ran 113 indoors. 112. He should have been able to do it. They put him in lanes. Or, yeah. You're what right, we need though. to do is we need, yeah. I think Devin, if we had an Isaiah Harris, Devin Dixon, Donovan Brazier, and then, sorry, Emmanuel Courier. There it is. Put it on the board. There we go. That would be they would all run like 111, man. They would they would, they would light it up. <laughs> and and it's not even a and it's a waterfall start, so make them really go for it. They really got to sprint. Yeah. You know, they Dude, waterfall start that. Throw Vasquez in there, throw Nigel Amos in there if we want to add people to it. Let's do that. Let's make it a two heat final. And then that yeah. way <laughs> no one's messing around. No. Throw everybody in Screw there. Screw it. Let's I'm make it you. more than just – let's make it rounds. Let's make them have to qualify for the final. Make them earn it. Yeah. <laughs> we need to throw down – we need to have an official 600-meter national ch- uh, world championship presented by, you know, what's a, what's like a, a, a random sponsor that could sponsor a 600-meter championship? Uh, uh, Red Bull or something like that. Red, there you go. There you go. Um, So – 115. I don't think Brazier's going to go through much slower when he runs the 800 on Stockholm in Stockholm. Do you? Huh. I bet on you he'll, he'll go through. He might go through faster. Yeah. That's actually be interesting to see. What was his 600 meter split in Monaco? Uh, I'm not sure. I know the Rhodesia World Record split was 114 low. So that's I'd use that. I mean, what is a, a one fifteen? What does a 115 convert to if you were just keep that pace? Oh, 115, you're going to get in the 141s. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. You close with the 26 then, right? If you go 115 flat, if you close with the 26, then you're at 141 flat. I guess, yeah. I guess 115 yeah. is 140. Yeah. Because 25s. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but I, don't know. I was I was assuming some natural slowdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think yeah, yeah. I I think he definitely could go through it. Something like one sixteen. That's certainly on the table. I don't know. I'll leave that for you and Lincoln to discuss tomorrow on the Return of Lincoln podcast. You'll also talk about the the Sunset Tour as well. I'm assuming, which is coming up on Saturday, live on Flow Track. You excited to pot again with Lincoln? I don't know. Does he look different? Does he have like a beard or something? No, he looked exactly the same. He was sharp. He came out sharp, I got to say. Now, no one's ever going to hear this podcast because, again, technical difficulties. So Lincoln and I talked for 40 minutes. Alon heard it, um, so he knows how good it was. But nobody else did. He came out He came out pretty sharp, but no beard. Uh, his house looks the same. Didn't really look that tired, so I think he's fine. I think he'll be... He'll be good. I feel like he misses he misses talking about track. Because oh, yeah, he like sure. on his own he's on his own wrote that Monaco recap like a week after it happened. I was like, dude, no one's talking about Monaco <laughs> right now. He's like, I am man. <laughs> I just I got am. out of a cave of parenthood. I'm gonna write a recap a week later. He did say something Sorry. funny that won't that won't see the light of day that I'll bring up now. We were talking about Joshua Cheptegei setting the world record. And he said, you know, maybe I've been out of it, but I was really blown away by him running 1235. And I said, Lincoln, nothing that happened in the last 14 days with Joshua Cheptegei changed. There wasn't some secret Joshua Cheptegei info that happened when your daughter was born and you missed it. We all were shocked. We all did not see that coming. But we okay. potentially talked ourselves into it the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. So we almost – I made a cool – I made a little chart after that. I never posted it, but I made an, uh, a little chart, just a comparison between 04 Bekele and 2020 Cheptegei. And it would have, if we caught on to that a day earlier, I think we would have been, uh, <laughs> we would have been smart. <laughs> we just missed it. That could have been a whole article. That could have been a whole post and we would have seemed like geniuses. That could have been us times? buying, that could have been us buying Google stock in like 1997. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You go down the line, man. The, the the PR outdoors, the weird PR for Bekele, the indoor one for Cheptegei, the road one. Their 10K PRs going into the year were one second apart, 26.48, 26.49. They both had a World Cross medal. They both had one 10K medal. It was eerie. It was absolutely eerie when I put it actually down in chart form. And you love charts too, so I think you would have signed off on this thing. Is it as eerie as when the Toronto Raptors went down 0-2 to Milwaukee and then came back and won 4-0? <laughs> The same way that the Sixers are down 0-2 to Boston? Like, is it that eerie? Yeah. There's been a lot. I don't know why you're so down on the idea of a 0-2 comeback. They happen all the time. That's not – there seems Dude, to be one every playoffs, should, doesn't you, there? You should see my timeline, man. You should see my timeline. It is full of just depression, and it's not fun to read. That's the worst thing. It's like, oh, sports yeah. fandom, man. We need to get rid of that. Think – yeah, here's I'll leave you with this bit of optimism. It's not optimism. It's more fatalism. But do you think you'd enjoy it more if they got knocked out? Like you'd be mad for a round, but wouldn't you tune back in for the f conference finals and the championship and be like, I can enjoy this without getting angry? No, because even no. like <laughs> – No. I like I kind of didn't really watch much of it last year after the Sixers got eliminated. It's just like – I don't want to remind myself of like, especially when you see a team that you lost who's still in it, you're kind of like, yeah. it's like a weird thing too. You want the team that you lost to 
like you don't want to see you want them to also lose right because you're like oh you beat us and screwed us over we want you to lose but then you also want them to win because then the more they win it shows that your loss was more justified so it's like this weird thing i don't know yeah i just joined dub nation after the spurs loss i'm just like i'm all in on the warriors man they just shoot a bunch of threes steph curry just throws it up from anywhere you could be be a warriors fan you could convert they're gonna be pretty good next year Get that number. Get that number one pick. Wait to see what happens in the lottery. Wait to see what happens in the lottery, though. The games are on late at night. They score a gajillion points. I don't know. It might. It might fit you. It might be less stressful. It just feels really stressful being a Philadelphia sports fan because you guys always think you're the best, and you never are. It's just very weird. Hey, Eagles were the best two years ago. That's true. That's true. Shout out to the Fly- Eagles. The Phillies were the best like over a decade ago. I was speaking more basketball-wise. Hey, the Sixers were the best like 30 years ago. (laughs) Good old Flyers, baby. I'm I'm, I'm going all in on the Flyers now, even though they're only up 3-2 now. But they're the number one seed in the East, so you got to keep it going. Let's go Flyer Nation. Good luck. This is a hockey hockey podcast. Hockey podcast. (laughs) All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks to Alon for producing. Thanks to Gordon. You guys get to see Lincoln tomorrow or hear Lincoln tomorrow at flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast where you can check out all the old episodes. Subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We will see you then.